Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Patriots Report. My name is Christopher Price, the Boston Globe. Joining us today is Howard Simon from WGR Radio in Buffalo. You can follow Howard on Twitter at Howard62. You can also hear him every weekday morning on WGR out of Buffalo. Howard, I want to get right into this because this sets up to be one of the most compelling games of the year, at least in my opinion. I want to know from you, from the Buffalo perspective, how is this team different than the one the Patriots faced a few weeks ago? And when I ask that, it's not so much about personnel, but maybe their overall mindset coming into this contest. Um, I, I got it. That's a good question. I, I don't think it would be too different, I guess. I mean, they were looking up at New England the last time they played. You know, I'm trying to think you know, amidst the discussion about why this team is eight and six and it's not where we thought it would be. There's so many different things we've talked about this season. And I think one of the ideas could be, you know, that maybe they um, they got maybe they were, you know, reading their press clippings. Right. Maybe they got mm-hmm. a little bit too far ahead of the game. They weren't focused, all that stuff. And, and that, I, I guess I might say, if I was looking for an answer, Chris, for your question, that might be something. I don't know if that's where you were headed. Would they be more focused now? The game is so critical and all that. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's the case. You know, I, I don't think they're playing with any different level of confidence or greater or lower or any of that stuff. They were they were behind New England then. They're behind New England now. Um, so I don't I don't know that anything has really changed um, defensively, offensively, coaching kind of things are the same where they were going into that Monday night game here against the Patriots. How is, do you, is there something you think is different from your perspective? I'm curious. Uh, that's a, it's, it's a great, it is. It, it's interesting to look at these two teams because you rarely see this, even with the change in scheduling they had a couple of years ago where they stacked all those division games up at the end of the year. You rarely see two teams meet in such a, you know, relatively quick fashion. You know, it's not back to back, but, at the same time, these two teams really are, are I don't want to say you know, carb, kind of carbon copies of what we saw a couple of weeks ago, at least from a personnel perspective. I think New England and Buffalo coming into this one, at least from my perspective, have something to prove based on what's happened over the last couple of weeks. Yeah. Well, I think the Bills, since they played New England last, they won the two games they were supposed to win. Um and or I'm sorry, they they lost to Tampa. I'm thinking about New Orleans. I made the ske- I messed up the schedule, but they they beat um, they beat Carolina. They didn't look great on Sunday, but they won. They did what they were supposed to do. They were the better team, and and, and they, I don't really believe they were ever threatened to lose that game, even though it was relatively close at times on the scoreboard. But so they they took care of their business, and um, and the Tampa game. I don't know. I guess all right. If there's anything different, if I guess would be that maybe the the second half, I'll tell you what, if the Bills win this game, if they go on and win this game and, and they win their next two, which they should, they're playing Atlanta and the Jets. If they run the table and they win the division and things seem to be going in a better direction, um, they might point, some people might point back to the second half of the Tampa game. Even though they lost that game, Chris, they were getting destroyed at halftime. I mean, it was just miserable. And they came back and they made a run. Woulda, coulda, shoulda whole bunch of calls didn't go their way, could have won the football game. And some people looked at that as not necessarily a moral victory because this team shouldn't be about moral victories, but as possibly a a galvanizing moment or something that helps turn around what has been a very inconsistent season. Carolina game is not really a judge of that. 
So if they win this game, who knows? Maybe we'll look back on that second half against Tampa. Instead of getting blown out, they fight back, put themselves in position. They can't win, but whatever. They play much better football in the second half against the defending Super Bowl champions. That game for me, and I'm glad you bring up the Tampa game because watching that, getting a chance to watch that from start to finish and knowing that that came on the heels of the loss to New England, Mm -hmm. the way they responded, I think, was very impressive. And and it showed me a little bit about them because they came off that New England game, and you could tell mentally they were not in a good spot from the post-game press conferences and the kind of the way they handled it. And again, maybe that's just my perspective from the outside, but seeing that, seeing the way they responded to New England, and then having the first half they did against Tampa Bay, you thought, well, this team is cooked. You know, having gone through the last six quarters of football, they're cooked, they're done. There's no chance that they're going to be able to challenge New England for the AFC East for the rest of the year. But the way they responded the second half against Tampa, the way they took care of their business against Carolina makes you think that there are indeed some signs of life with this team. I guess I, I didn't, I mean, it was not at halftime. It was, like I said, it was, it was looking to be a very miserable afternoon, but honestly in the bigger picture, you know, okay. If they, if they go on and they get destroyed in that game and like they got beat by Indianapolis, let's say they got crushed in that game. Yeah, I guess mentally, maybe, maybe that would have set them back. I think they still beat Carolina. They still beat Atlanta. They still beat the Jets. So it really would have come down to what happens in Foxborough. And maybe they're so mentally messed up by that game in Tampa that they lose this game against New England. Now they'd be in a better mental space because they played better in the second half. I would not have put that much significance on it. Look, this team has been a roller coaster ride. That game is that game, first half versus the second half, is it's kind of a microcosm of where this season has been basically since like week five, mm-hmm. they haven't won back-to-back games. They, they, they look good one week. They don't look good the next, you know, they play in Indianapolis, they get destroyed. You know, the second half against Tampa, they look great. I mean, the defense really shut down Brady and the offense was rolling. And so it's, it's kind of hard to get a handle on this team. And I, even if they lost, we knew again, mentally, maybe you're right, Chris. I don't know if that would have been like a knockout blow, but even if they lost by 50, they still knew, okay, you're, you're going to have to beat New England to have a chance to win the division. And even if you lose in Tampa, if you run the table, which isn't a lot, it's New England and beating three bad football teams. If you run the table and get one Patriots loss, which of course happened with Indianapolis, they were still in position to win the division. So I don't, I, I, I mean, just me personally, Chris, if they end up getting routed in that game, I still tell the same thing on the air and say, okay, yeah, that game was bad. Okay, now go and do what you need to do. Beat Carolina. You got to beat New England. We knew that no matter what, they would have to beat the Patriots in New England mm-hmm. and then take care of Atlanta and the Jets. And there's your division title. This game is basically for the AFC East this weekend, yeah. isn't it? I mean, th- th- there's oh, no yeah. doubt about this here. We're, we're, looking at a, we're looking at a game where whoever ends up winning this thing is going to clinch the third seed, for, for, you know, for lack of a better term here. Is Buffalo... Do you think these guys are, I don't want to say they're cognizant of the stakes here because they, a lot of them went through this last year on the way to the AFC championship game, but there is an added weight to this game. Maybe that might not have been there before. Oh yeah, I think so. Absolutely. Well, look, they were supposed to win the division mm-hmm. and now, you know, they're in the dog fight or they're in second, actually they're behind They're They're playing catch up and they lost the first game here. Crazy violent storm, whatever they know if they lose this game, 
that's it, really. I mean, unless New England loses to both Jacksonville and Miami, which I don't think is going to happen, so the Bills are, are pretty cooked. And honestly, if they lose this game, there's no guarantee they are in a wild card playoff spot and like a nightmare scenario that nobody would have envisioned of this team missing the playoffs entirely is in play. So they're well aware of everything on the line in this game. Uh, they're fully cognizant of the division, but yeah, there's a lot of pressure on them because I mean, I felt they weren't going to be in a race for the AFC East approaching Christmas. This wasn't supposed to be how the season was playing out. If there was a race at this time in the year involving the Bills, it was supposed to be for the one seed. So this is playing out differently than a lot of us anticipated. And I think there is a lot of pressure when you're the team with the expectations and you're supposed to win the division and you're chasing now and you haven't won back-to-back games since week four and five. There's a lot of pressure that comes with that. I'm glad you bring up the phrase expectation because that's something that we may have spoken about this before that the expectation level around these two teams are very, very different than what we've seen traditionally. The Bills are expected to win the division where the Patriots maybe you know, it was seen as, I don't want to say a rebuilding year, but certainly the level of expectation was not where it is maybe right now. How have the Bills dealt with the level of expectation over the course of the season when it comes to saying, look, this is a team that should be competing for number one seed. This is, a, a, granted, it's a youngish team, but how are they dealing with the raised expectations i guess is the best phrase that i can put it when when you're talking about this bills team yeah i I think i mean outwardly okay i mean there are no other than you know mcdermott a little annoyed after the loss of the patriots about praising bill belichick there have not been really things you'd look at in terms of comments to the media from coaches or players where you would say oh man, these guys are cracking under pressure. I say outwardly, because that's all we can judge on, right? Based on what we're hearing. Now, you could say that maybe the fact that they're eight and six, maybe this is part of that. Maybe it is. You know, last season, they were very good. Now, their numbers this year, quite honestly, aren't really far off from where they were last year. Defensively, they've been better in some categories. Offensively, uh, there's, there's maybe a slight drop off. Off. Not, a, not a big one, though. And yet, look at the record um, against the schedule that we all looked at and thought, boy, this is a nice break. They're going to be playing some bad teams. They're going to be playing backup quarterbacks and rookie quarterbacks. So maybe, maybe eight and six is some of it is a byproduct of not handling some of that pressure, some of the expectations. They are terrible in one score games. Um, I think it's like 0 and 5. That's I mean, remarkable. They play a close game. Yeah. And, and they lose. I mean, last year they were four and one. Now, why are they losing that game? Why aren't they able to make a play offensively? Sean McDermott pointed out that in 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 those uh, one score losses, they have the ball at the end with a chance to win in four of the five games, but they don't. You know why? Is it is it pressure? I don't know, Chris. I'm not sure if it's an X's and O's thing or if they're feeling pressure. But yeah, this was a new. This was a new experience for these guys. Last year, you could tell coming out of the bye, they were good. And then they, after that Hail Mary loss in Arizona, they didn't lose again until the AFC Championship. And they were on a, a serious roll. But the expectations went up as the season went on. This was a little bit different going into the season. Right from the get-go, you're supposed to win the division. You're supposed to be a Super Bowl contender. Oh, my goodness. They won in Kansas City. Now the Bills are supposed to be the gold standard in the AFC. And it hasn't worked out that way. Perhaps some of the record is a matter of this team learning to have to deal with those expectations and maybe not play tight at times. 
Did we make too much of the Bill Belichick, Sean McDermott post game? You know, the, the quotes from McDermott afterward, you know, giving too much credit to Belichick. It, it, I know it's part of the, you know, the post game drama and all that, but I, I, it feels like now hearing from Bill, hearing from Sean, that we may have overblown that a little bit. Yeah. A little, yes and no. Look, let, let's not lie. Uh, there's always going to be sensitivity here about anything involving Bill Belichick in New England because of, you know, 20 years of Brady torture. So Bill's fans, now again, that's not, obviously that's not all McDermott, but, you know, McDermott has had a tough time against New England since he got the Bills job. Uh, last year, of course, was, was the exception to the rule. So I think there's always going to be some sensitivity to that. I don't know. It's, 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 it's not in his character to do that. He very rarely... And I'm like, I'm, I'm telling you something that you probably would nod your head going, yeah, Belichick, too. He very rarely, McDermott, will give you true insight. He won't throw anybody under the bus. He's very um, careful not to overpraise one of his own players. He's not going to air any dirty laundry in public with anything. Um, and, and I don't think he will show emotion one way or the other. If they have a big win, it's humble and hungry. If they have a big loss, it's we all got to be better. Let's get let's get back to work, which I'm guessing you guys hear a similar mantra up there. Mm-hmm. So I think when when stuff like that comes out, it's not like him. And it, it could have been it might have been less about, you know, that game and more about maybe respect for his team or let's enough of the Patriots. I don't want to hear about the Patriots. And maybe he, I don't know, maybe he felt they were getting into the heads of his players a little bit. And he wanted to say something about that. It's, it's very interesting. Cause like I said, that, that is not like him to do that publicly. Given what we've seen from the new England run defense here lately. And, you know, with the understanding that look, no one's going to be Jonathan Taylor. Can Devin Singletary be a difference maker in this one? Um, he can help. I mean, I don't difference maker is a big word. This offense isn't built for a running back to be a difference maker. So if he's going to be a difference maker, something is going to be different about their game plan in this matchup. Maybe they're, despite the rush numbers and and what, you know, Taylor did, and I watched the Titans game and what their backup running backs did, I, I would be really surprised if the Bills came out and said, we're going to run the ball against New England and prove that they can stop us. It is not a strength of this team. It is not their offensive identity. Um, they do not have a dynamic running back. They are built around their quarterback. If anybody, the best runner is the quarterback. No offense to Devin Singletary. I like him, but you know, neither he nor Zach Moss or Matt Breida, who rarely gets the ball, is is that dynamic a football player that you would look at it and go, all right, you know what, Josh, we're not going to throw 35 times. We're going to throw 15 and we're going to run the ball down their throats. I'd be surprised that they did that, Chris, because it is against the identity of what they do. Plus, they're just not that great at it. I mean, they're okay at running the ball, but they're not. They don't have like a powerful offensive line that is going to maul people and backs that'll run you into the ground. Um, The only way I would say that it happens is because of the offensive line issues. They were down a couple linemen last week. Dan Dawkins is still in COVID protocol. John Feliciano, who normally starts, was coming off injured reserve, and then he ends up going in COVID protocol. So, And Spencer Brown, who's a rookie who has had a pretty good rookie season, has really struggled in the last two games. So if they decide to do a lot of running, I think it's less about 
hey, New England has a problem here, and more about, well, our offensive line is having some issues. We're worried about our pass protection. We're going to have to lean on the running game a little bit more to help out the offense. I am a longtime Emmanuel Sanders apologist, and so I'm going to say Emmanuel Sanders in response to this question. But is there a guy who you would look at on either side of the ball who, because of health, scheme, matchup, whatever the case may be, has a chance to be an impact player, someone maybe under the radar who isn't an instantly identifiable guy? So basically the non-Stefan Diggs category. Yes, (laughs) bingo. Yeah, the guy's Gabriel Davis. Um, I might have said Dawson Knox because he's really had a breakout year. He's kind of tailed off a little bit. But if there's a guy who can come up big in the and, and again, in the discussion of what this team does best, throwing the football, the, the guy who would be the surprise difference maker would be Gabe Davis. He's a second year receiver, came out last year as a rookie and had a really nice year. And for whatever reason, he hadn't had a lot of time on the offense this year his snap count was probably not where bills fans thought it should be look it's Diggs, it's sanders it's beasley and then it's Knox. so there's your top four targets in the passing game now beasley kind of tailed off a little bit he was playing through a rib injury um he's beginning to reemerge, i think in the passing offense the last couple of games sanders numbers dropped off the table now he's been out of course he missed the last game with a knee injury but prior to that his last four or five games his targets were down. His catches were down. I want to say he's gone his last, I think it's his last five games, Chris. Mm-hmm. He hasn't topped 30 yards receiving. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't know if he's hit a wall or what's going on. But in that discussion, people were kept saying for the last few weeks, hey, where's Gabriel Davis? Get this kid involved. He's good. He's only a second-year player, but he's got a lot of skills he brings to the table. Um, he can be a downfield threat. He's got a really good pair of hands. He is, um, really good at making contested catches. Uh, he could be a run after catch guy. He brings a lot of skills to the table that I think in in your question, looking for someone you might not think about to me, that is the guy. He just had a two touchdown game against Carolina. If he can really come up in the passing game, that makes them a more dangerous offense in this game. Two part question. First off. Give me a nightmare first quarter scenario for the Bills where it's not so much maybe written on the scoreboard, manifested on the scoreboard, but give me a scenario where you look at this Buffalo team after one quarter and say, man, they are in trouble. And then the second thing is I want a game plan from you. If you're Sean McDermott, give me two or three specific points of emphasis that you absolutely have to execute in this one if you want to have a chance of winning the game. Well, I think the nightmare scenario is if, if the offense is just punting all first, if they come out flat, if the Bills are going to win this game, you know, you could look at it and say the Bills defense. Um, by the way, uh, I was going to ask you about Damian Harris, but that's all right. I'll, that's too early in the week anyway. Um, you, you might look at it and say, OK, the Bills defense should win their matchup against Mac Jones, right? This is. The game that never emerged that Monday night was, can Mac Jones, if they have to lean on him, can he throw them to a win? We don't know. He didn't have to that night. And I don't know what the game plan will be this week. My guess is they're going to test the Bills to make them stop the run. But I don't think this game comes down to the Bills' defense. I'd be surprised if the Bills' the Bills run defense has had some issues, for sure. They've had the propensity to give up a big play every now and then. I honestly don't think if the Bills lose Sunday, it'll be because their defense gets blasted. If they don't win Sunday, 
it's because their offense is kept in check and it has a bad day for whatever reason, whether it's something Belichick is throwing at them. If the offensive line is still undermanned to me, that's the, the nightmare scenario is Josh Allen and the offense come out and look completely flat and lost in the first quarter, you know, just punting the ball away and, you know, or they're playing there, you know, and then McDermott starts coaching for field position and he, and he coaches conservatively because he doesn't think his offense has got it going. He's going to rely on his defense. To me, that's the nightmare scenario for your first quarter. Um, the other question about uh, game plan, mm-hmm. I think, again, because if the Bills are going to win, I think they'll do it largely based on their passing game. They have to figure out how to help out Josh Allen. The offensive line has had some problems. That's eh, not just the line. I guess it's tight ends, backs, whatever. Pass protection has been an issue. I think if there's one thing, two things in this game are really important. One, you got to get Diggs involved. My guess is, I don't know if J.C. Jackson will shadow him, but you tell me, Chris, I would assume they're going to want him yeah. on Diggs as much as possible. Yeah. You can't see that matchup. You've still got a way to get Diggs involved. He is the best playmaker on this offense, not named Josh Allen. You have to get him involved. Um, you, you'd still need to stick to your strength of throwing the football. I think one thing they needed to do, or they have been doing, second half against Tampa, they did this and they were successful with it. If you're worried about the pass protection, if you're worried about Judon and Van Noy and whatever different blitzes and looks you're going to get, get the ball out fast. Maybe work the screen game. They're not the greatest screen team in the league, but this might be a game where you, you know, you really need to work on that or have some success in that area. They were very good in the second half against Tampa, having Josh get the ball out fast. Don't sit back there all day. You can't stop these guys from rushing the quarterback. So let's get the ball out quickly and get it to these guys, get it in a position where maybe they can get run after catch or you get three yards here or six yards there, whatever. Allen loves the bigger play, right? He wants to throw downfield. He wants to really make big plays. Sometimes that can lead to some issues when the protection is breaking down. So if there's one thing in the game plan, you better be ready to go to your quick passing game or design something, screens, uh, slants, anything, to offset potential issues with your pass protection. Because if if the passing game's in check and the Bills have to win the game running the ball, Mm -hmm. I really wouldn't like their chances. The, the Damien Harris thing, and I'm, I'm glad you bring that up, and we're, we're going to wrap up here in a second. But for me, that is really the X factor. And again, we're sitting here recording this on a Tuesday, so it's a, a, still a little too early in the week to figure out is right. he healthy enough, can he go. But his ability to run the ball, his ability to really bring some depth to that running game, because I think one of the things that we saw Saturday night from New England was they can lean on Stevenson, and that's great, but you need another aspect to it. I don't know if Stevenson is completely ready to be the number one back in your offense. So if you can switch him up, you can offer a change up. Someone like Harris who runs approximately the same way as Stevenson does, but still can give, you know, one can give the other a blow while, you know, the other's in the game. I think that's a huge difference for New England. That's a huge difference. I think it's going to be a huge difference come Sunday. Yeah, and look, from the Bills' perspective, it would be, you know, they gave up, it's, it's so hard to look at that game, Chris, because, you know, I'm, I'm not the kind of person who says, well, if you take out that run, mm-hmm. um, but, you know, the other 45 times doing then ran the ball, the Bills run defense was good. It's unfortunate. <laughs> One of them was a 64 yard or whatever, 67 yard touchdown. That still counts on the scoreboard. But if, yeah, I think if, if from the Bills perspective, if Harris can play, well, life is so a lot easier because, 
you know, you, you would, you, you would concentrate on Stevenson and you wouldn't have to worry about both guys coming in and maybe it'd make life a little bit simpler for the bills defense. Cause I, I, you know, I'm, I'm sure they're talking about no offense to Mac Jones and, and the weapons in the passing game. I, I love the tight ends and I, I think they've done a heck of a job improving their passing game. I'm sure the bills are spending a lot of time this week, making sure Harrison Stevenson and the offensive line don't run them into the ground in this game. I I'm going to guess it's not 46 to three, on the run-pass ratio, but you tell me, would you expect New England would still run more than they throw in this game? Yeah, I, I, w- I would expect New England. Yeah. And we don't know what the weather's going to be like. It's supposed to be decent, but it's not supposed to be, you know, as ugly as it was, right. you know, a, right. a, a few weeks ago in, in upstate New York. But look, it's going to be, it has the potential to be a, a very compelling matchup. I, I am, I'm a little bit surprised that this thing wasn't flexed. I, I know that there's a lot of different things in play here, but this, you know, you look at the schedule, and this has a chance to be an awful fun game that I think a lot of people are going to be interested in come Sunday afternoon. So, you know, again, we're still a little bit too early in the week when it comes to the status of Harris and the status of a few other guys. The Patriots have a few guys in the protocol, um, including Kendrick Bourne. And that's going to be intriguing because I think Bourne is probably the most reliable wide receiver that, that Mac, Mac Jones has. But again, ultimately, the bottom line in this one, I think it's going to be an awful lot of fun. I, I, I'm not going to try and pin you down on... <laughs> <laughs> a, a score prediction because again there's still too many you know there's still too many wild cards here it's still too many x factors whatever phrase you want to use but this should be an awful lot of fun howard thank you so much for joining us today i really appreciate you taking the time to do this howard simon wgr 550 am out of buffalo you can follow him on twitter at howard 62 and hopefully between now and the end of the season we can do this again maybe with a playoff version <laughs> of the patriots report you know a third time this year between the patriots and the bills yeah, I think someone actually tweeted. I never checked this. Maybe you would know. Bills and Patriots have never played in a playoff game. They have never played in a playoff game. Yeah. Yeah, never. I don't know if my heart could stand this, Chris. I mean, to, the two regular season games are enough stress for me. I don't know. Could we? Could could there be a different matchup, maybe, and we could just talk anyway? Oh yeah, definitely. We'll 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 we'll, <laughs> we'll we'll hook this up again. Like I said, down the road, we'll make sure we'll talk again. Either either on your airwaves or on this podcast, one way or another. Anytime. You're always nice coming on with us. I'm glad to talk to you and have a nice holiday. Sounds good. You too, Howard. Take care. Thanks, Chris. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.